All rise. Gentlemen, please remove your hats. Stand up and respect the flag of the United States of America. If you're taking a knee, I invite you to take a plane and fly around the ocean until you run out of gas. I don't care. This is the United States of America, and God gave us great land. You can be sure, yes, you can be sure right now, you and I are at war. No, we are not currently fighting World War III on a battlefield, but rather we are up against an establishment whose weapons of mass destruction are far more devious than King George III. Instead of cannons, we are fighting a corrupt media. Instead of violent agitators, we are up against a psychological war of liberalism. Instead of them shooting up our towns, we are facing imprisonment of the mind through political correctness and intimidation. It used to be the only terrorists you heard of were militant Islamic Jihad, flying planes into buildings, shooting up businesses, innocent people, and blowing up marathon runners in major cities. But there are now new terrorist groups that have arisen in our lifetime. It is Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and LGBTQ deviants and perverts. These enemies at the gates of our American cities, they seek to destroy what our founding fathers fought for and set up this beautiful, free, regulated capitalist market that we enjoy. They want to destroy it and to set up the socialist new world order with the intention of the socialist new world order crumbling and the only thing that can be set up after that in their minds to work would be the brand new communist new world order. And when that fails, of course, guess who's next? It will be the beast, the Antichrist controlling and ruling this world. America has been through a lot in the last year. We have survived a horrible pandemic. It terrified us. So much that many of us are now too afraid to even live. Businesses can hardly stay open because nobody wants to work. I say to every American boy, it is time to sober up. It's time to flush your drugs down the toilet. It's time to pull up your pants and delete your porn. It's time to get out and get a job and move out of your parents' basement. God revealed it to his servant, Prophet Tom Barnes in the 1960s that this country, the United States of America, exists for three reasons. God raised her up quickly and swiftly to fulfill his will in three areas. Number one, to finance world missions. You look around in the earth at missionaries. Chances are they're going to be American. God raised us up to evangelize this world secondly to love to befriend and protect the state of israel and number three it was to stop antichrist before its time god's hand is upon our country god still has a purpose for us and it's up to this church to unite and remain patriotic 
Let us not let these deviants get away with their tactics. Let us not let this grievance culture steal the pride that we have and the love that we have and the values that we have. God raised up this country for a purpose, and it's up to us to protect it. I'm Justin C. Gleason. Welcome to the podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. You are listening to an Independence Day special edition episode. Please consider clicking the follow button and become a loyal podcast listener. Scroll on down and give a great review and rating and share this episode with your friends. See the notes below for my social media, email, and other details. Next week is an off week. Enjoy Independence Day with your family and friends. America lives on. counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. From the place of his dwelling, he looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashions their hearts individually. He considers all their works. No king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our hearts shall rejoice in him, because we have trusted in his holy name. Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us, just as we hope in you. The founding fathers used a phrase, divine providence. Divine providence. It simply means God's supernatural protection. It was divine providence that brought the independence of the church of the living God, not just America, but the church of the living God through the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. A nation was born called the church independence day for the church happened at Calvary. Heavenly citizenship is welcome to all those who obey the gospel. God protected our apostolic forefathers in prisons and on trial, and many even escaped death. And because of our founding apostolic forefathers, we remain a holy nation to this day. I see many of the exact same parallels that God did in the early church and for Israel, and also seen in the forming and the foundation of the United States of America. And particularly what I feel today to speak about is things that I've researched and found that happened in the Revolutionary War. Many came to this land that they called America for freedom of worship, to own land, and to escape the conflicts of their homeland. 
In the mid-18th century, Britain was at war with much of Europe. And to finance these wars, Britain issued very high taxes from the 13 colonies here in America. And we were 3,000 miles away across the ocean from them. The taxes were high, and Britain offered us no place in Parliament. No place in Parliament for the colonies. So the time had come for the colonies to form their own government. This, of course, angered Britain and led to uh, even greater violent conflicts and ultimately the Revolutionary War. Many of the colonial leaders wanted to declare independence and some did not. They pleaded and tried to re- reason with Britain as the Bible commands, but King George III refused. He had become a tyrant to them. They had no choice but to declare independence and put it in writing and read it publicly. The language of the Declaration of Independence is strong, but it brings conviction. It is forward, but one can feel the pure passion in which it was written. These words are extremely blunt, but when you hear it, when you read it, you can feel the humility in this treasured writing. I want to read to you some excerpts from the Declaration of Independence. Our forefathers wrote when they revolted against the British crown, speaking of King George III, he has refused his assent to laws, the most wholesome and necessary for public good. He has endeavored to prevent the population of these states for that purpose, obstructing the laws for naturalization of foreigners, refusing to pass others to encourage their migrations hither, and raising the conditions of new appropriation of lands. He has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. He has kept among us in times of peace standing armies without the consent of our legislatures for quartering quartering large bodies of armed troops among us, for protecting them by mock trial, for the punishment for any murders which they should commit on the inhabitants of these states, for cutting off our trade with all parts of the world, for imposing taxes on us without our consent, for depriving us in many cases the benefit of trial by jury, for transporting us beyond seas to be tried for pretended offenses. He has abdicated government here by declaring us out of his protection and waging war against us. He has plundered our seas, ravaged our coasts, burnt our towns, and destroyed the lives of our people. We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America in General Congress, assembled appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, do so in the name and by the authority of the good people of these colonies solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved. 
and that is free and independent states. They have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and to do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Mm. I wish politicians still talk like that. Wow. The signers of the Declaration of Independence gave up everything. You want to talk about sacrifice. They acknowledge faith towards the supreme God who created mankind. Also acknowledges by all those who signed it the laws of God, providence of God, and the judgment of God. This Declaration of Independence, this document, it, you read it, it appeals to God as the supreme judge of the world for their intentions. Furthermore, for the support of this declaration, the signers, they relied firmly on the protection of divine providence. I got the study. And you want to know something neat? It is remarkable. I'm not so sure if it's even a coincidence. It might be. It's just remarkable that both John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, two of the major signers of the Declaration, they later on went to serve as presidents of the United States. They died on the same day, July 4th, 1826, which was the 50th anniversary of the Declaration. All 56 Americans who signed the Declaration risked death by hanging if their revolution failed. They risked sharing the fate of the courageous patriot Nathan Hale, who was hanged without trial and who on the gallows spoke the famous words, I only regret that I have but one life to lose for my country. That is inspiring courage. Note the fervor of the patriotism and love for their country expressed in the mutual pledge. To each other, our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. These men, they meant it. They followed through. Many lost their lives. They lost their property. And many endured terrible suffering. John Hancock, whose elaborate signature, bold and large, so that even King George III can't miss it. Heads those affixed to the declaration. He later lost much of his fortune in the war. The holy dedication of all those signers in the face of such great risk is echoed in Jefferson in his forceful declaration, I swear before the altar of God eternal hostility to every form of tyranny over the mind of man. Mm. Divine providence, divine providence, divine providence. They spoke it. They declared it. They wished it upon each other. They prayed for it. And you know what? They got it. You take a look historically at Bunker Hill. After the shot that was fired that was heard all around the world at Lexington, 
Thousands of militiamen joined the American army marching over Bunker Hill and encamped at Breed's Hill. The British general, General Howe, planned to attack them head-on, but sent a troop to go down Mystic River to attack them from the side. The men did not know this river and were unable to join the battle. On the land, British General Howe was sending many soldiers uphill to the Americans until they retreated. But he noticed that many of his cannons were not functioning properly. It was too late to send for supplies. They discovered they had wrong-sized cannons. The colonists lost at Bunker Hill. But if it were not for those two mistakes, the British very well could have wiped them out. No way that's a coincidence. All of a sudden, wrong-sized cannons? Hmm. Divine Providence. Dor- Dorchester Heights in Boston. Another incident of Divine Providence in the Revolutionary War. When the British controlled Boston, it did not seem necessary to General Howe for them to have troops at Dorchester Heights because the Americans had no serious artillery. But the Americans had captured artillery from previous battles. The colonial army moved in at night and set up fortification. Because there was no mud during the winter, they were able to set artillery up, and a large, thick fog that night came down and shielded them from the eyes of the Brits. That time of the year in the winter, there is no fog. It was just mysterious. It came down, shielded them, and they were able to set up fortifications. It's divine providence. That's right. You know, the list goes on at all these things. You read about the Revolutionary War. Really, we should have lost. Revolutionary wars are usually a disaster. Usually terrible. I mean, you look at France. It's a terrible revolutionary war. Other countries, they just don't make it. They never survive after it. How was it that America was able to survive after it, not only survive, but thrive after it? Here's what I think. Our forefathers were patriots. They fought for God. They fought for their lives, their family, their land, their freedom, their political views. Many American civilians rallied together in unity. All that loyalty, all that patriotism. Sure, the French and the Dutch did come to our aid. And we had to succumb to guerrilla warfare that the British did not understand. That's right. It's America. We had medicine to combat smallpox and other diseases. We fought in our homeland. So it was difficult for the Brits to live off the land. They had no supplies in many, in many cases. We also had to depend on retreats. We had to rely on wearing out the British. And you know what? We ended up losing more battles than we won. I think those are a lot of reasons, natural reasons. Of course, it's divine providence. God wanted us to win. God wanted us to raise up this land. And I'll tell you another reason, one of the main reasons. It's not really a reason. It's actually a man. His name is George Washington. That's right. Although we gave him the title general, 
and later on president in the spirit world. Really, yeah, if you just read the Bible, you could call him a king. The leader of the people. Whom the Bible says in our reading concerning the kings. Psalm 33. No king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope for his mercy to deliver their soul from death. That speaks of General Washington. God's wisdom helped General Washington to bring patriotism, the unity, the faith, all of that that we needed. His confident countenance, his white horse, and his sword in hand brought courage and pride in the Continental Army. General Washington, he knew when to advance and he definitely knew when to retreat. He knew how to prepare for hard weather. He knew how to strategize his troops. He had all of these things. He had all this wisdom because he prayed regularly. He never broke the habit of it, no matter how hard times were, no matter how great times were. Washington prayed to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he has stories, personal stories of God's divine providence. He knew that the hand of the Lord was upon him. Before the Revolutionary War, he fought in the uh, French and Indian War. Washington favored in the army and warned the British captain not to advance because there was no place to retreat one of the battles. So the British marched away and a thousand troops died. Somehow, miraculously, in that battle, Washington escaped. When he got back to his camp, he wrote a letter to his wife back home. He said to her in this letter, my hat was shot off. Two of the horses that I rode on were killed. I'm looking at my clothes and there are bullet holes all in my clothes. He wrote this letter. It's history. He found out years later when he was scouting land, he met an Indian chief. Gayasuta, Gayasuta. This chief said that he specifically commanded all of his braves to fire upon Washington, but they could not kill him because God was with him and the Lord had destined him to lead a great nation. Mm. There is a spiritual side to George Washington that a lot of people did not know existed. He's probably my favorite historical president. I've read a lot about him. A part of his life that is so interesting to me and so mysterious to me is the vision that God gave him. You can reference civil, civillibertiescom from what I'm about to share to you. And, and there's many other resources. All you got to look up is the George Washington prophecy. It's been authenticated. In the year 1859, on July 4th, 
an old soldier named Anthony Sherman, who was 99 years old, approached a writer named Wesley Bradshaw in Independence Hall. Bradshaw wrote for the War Veterans, the National Tribune, and published this story I'm about to tell you in the year 1880. It was later published in the Stars and Stripes paper in the year 1950. Sherman said only he knew of this and the fulfillment of this story would soon come. I'll repeat that. Wesley, or excuse me, Anthony Sherman, who was 99 years old, in the year 1859, July 4th, he approached a journalist by the name of Bradshaw. Sherman said what he was about to tell this journalist, he is the only one who knew of this and the fulfillment of what he was about to tell him would soon come to pass. At Valley Forge, you know about that, Valley Forge, Washington and the army retreated for the winter for safety and to plan the rest of the war. Washington was known to often retreat in the woods to pray. Sherman himself said that he and all the soldiers believed it was God who was helping them. Washington asked for some time alone, and a vision came to him. Ah, we Pentecostal people like that word, a vision. This appeared in that newspaper in the year 1880. And I read to you as it read back then in that paper. Washington writes that a mysterious being came and Washington could not move or speak. The being pointed east and a white vapor came up and then dissipated. The being said, son of the Republic, look and learn. And a map of the world appeared. Asia, Europe, Africa, America, the Pacific, and the Atlantic Ocean. A dark angel appeared above the Atlantic and threw water on Europe, and a cloud formed, and it moved over America. Washington saw lightning and heard the cries and the groans of the people. The dark angel then took water and again poured it out on the United States and the cloud disappear. Thereafter, he saw towns, cities, and villages populate all over the land. This is the first great peril. The angel then said, Son of the Republic, look and learn. And the dark angel looked toward Africa, and a strange object came over the U.S. and set upon each town in the city and they set themselves against each other. And an angel came down with a crown of light on his head and the word Union written on it with a United States flag and said, Remember you are brethren. And the people then put down their weapons and became friends again. That is the second great peril. The angel said, Look and learn. And the dark angel blew three times on his trumpet and dipped his hand in the ocean and threw water over Asia, Europe, and Africa. And clouds from each came 
and united over the United States, and a ball of red light, and soldiers were in it. These made trouble and war with the United States, and Washington could hear the sound of millions fighting. The voice came to him and said, Son of the Republic, look and learn. The dark angel blew one more long blast on the trumpet, and a bright light shone down, and the angel with union written upon his crown came with a U.S. flag and a sword. White spirits followed this angel as they came down to the United States and strengthened the people. The dark angel then cast water on the U.S. and the cloud lifted. The angel planted the flag down and said, While the stars remain and the heaven sends down dew upon the earth, so long shall the union last. And taking from his brow the crown on which blazoned the word union, he placed it upon the standard while the people kneeling down said, Amen. The scene instantly began to fade and dissolve, and I at last saw nothing but the rising curling vapor I first beheld. This also disappeared, and I found myself once more gazing upon the mysterious visitor, whom in the same voice I had heard before said, Son of the Republic, what you have seen is thus interpreted. Three great perils will come upon the Republic. The most fearful for her is the third, but the whole world united shall not prevail against her. Lest every child of the Republic learn to live for his God, his land, and the Union. With these words, the vision vanished, and I started from my seat and felt that I had seen a vision wherein had been shown to me the birth, the progress, and the destiny of the United States. Hmm. Oh, I got chill bumps. <laughs> Man. Later says this vision encouraged Washington for seven and a half more years during the war and leading the USA to victory. And this soldier in Washington's army, Sherman, he looked at that reporter that year, 1859, and he said the second great peril is about to happen. Sure enough, it did. Not too long after that, the Civil War began. Yeah. I believe an angel visited George Washington that day and that time in Valley Forge, and he did show to him the fate of America, the three great perils that would come upon us. You know, the first being the Revolutionary War. You know, the conflicts that we faced from Great Britain. The second one was the Civil War. We fought, you know, amongst ourselves. And the third one would be we would fight many of the great powers, other nations throughout the world. And God's going to help us. The third peril hasn't happened yet. But you can feel it. It's coming. There are nations in this world that absolutely hate us they hate our existence they are full of bitterness 
And from generation to generation to generation to generation, the parents, the grandparents have taught their children that America is the great evil of the earth and America needs to be destroyed. You know what it is? It's the spirit of Antichrist. Because obviously the church is the greatest power against the Antichrist. But right now, you think about it, America puts a stop to a lot of evil in this world. I was recently talking to a missionary, a retired missionary, who served in the Middle East for many, many years. You know what he told me? He said, there are CIA everywhere. They're everywhere in the Middle East. They know exactly what is going on. We have our eyes and ears open, watching, doing everything we can to protect our nation and to be a force of good in the earth. America is not a nation of grievances. We actually forgive and move on very, very quickly. The attitude in the heart of this country is to just simply love God, love your wife, love your kids, love your land, love your country, and just live a life in peace. We love our individualism. That's how we want it. And that spirit is just in the heart of America. I know it doesn't seem like that with our media. and Of course, it's not like that on our corrupt cities. But the heart, the bread and butter of America in the suburbs and the rural area, that's how we feel. It's completely opposite to how the nations of this world are. The nations are forming together a coalition, globalism. They think it's the answer. But in all reality, it totally opposes what God set up. It's a false unity. You see, God, it says in the book of Acts, God made nations, gave them their languages, gave them their boundaries. Satan wants to do exactly what God did. Satan wants to eliminate boundaries and borders and open up everything so everybody can be a citizen of the world. And it's to set the stage for the beast. Because this world really belongs to the Lord, but Satan wants the world for himself, and he can't have a world for himself if the world is broken up into nations. And that's why he wants a war so the world can be torn by war, and he can be set up by his kingdom. But we all know if you read your Bible, as soon as he sets it up and he thinks he wins, Jesus Christ comes down with that white horse and the armies of heavens, which is the rapture of the caught-up church, and we destroy it all. In a day, boom, it's all over. I just want to tell you this. It's a weird year. You know, many of us believe this election was not lost. It was stolen. And I feel that. I since I don't have any facts, that is just what I feel. And that is my speculation. I do know this. The spirit world does not recognize Joe Biden as president. God revealed that revealed that to me. That's why it looks strange, feels strange. Something is very odd about it. I'll tell you what God has not done with this country. There is still a remnant of good. And I believe Washington's prophecy is true. He had a vision. An angel of the Lord appeared to him and gave him a glimpse of the future. So yeah, you know what? It's time to clean your mag. It's time to be vigilant and be ready like the Lord said. 
Do everything we can to keep peace. Do not think for one minute you're safe. I don't feel safe. I can't go out. I, I'm sitting here in my house, and I don't feel safe. With this pandemic, the commotion that's happened, the spirit of terror that's in this world today, there is no telling what can happen. I love this country. I'm a patriot. I pray for this country often. And we need to do everything we can as Christians to be sure that America continues to live on because God gave us this land through divine providence. We got a big old country. That's why I think on Independence Day, we need to celebrate it big. Big fireworks with big trucks, big guns, big hamburgers, big bratwurst, big steaks, big old fillets of fried fish. Because we have a land that's worthy to celebrate. I'm Justin C. Gleason. I'm not a politician. I'm a patriot. I'm not political. I'm just a preacher. And I just happen to believe that God wants to do some good things still in the United States of America and through the United States of America. So may God arise and all of his enemies be scattered. Happy Fourth of July. 